Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Living Astrology with Janet Hickox. It's time to grab your cup of coffee or your tea, sit back, and let's chat about what is happening in the stars above for the weekend. It's Friday. It is so good to be back with all of you. It's been two weeks. It was two weeks ago today that I was last on air. And even though I came back from vacation um, on Wednesday this week, it wasn't a day that I would broadcast. So this is my first opportunity to be with all of you. And it is good to be here. And it's a gorgeous day. It is beautiful here in the Pacific Northwest. I hope it is gorgeous where you are as well. Uh, let's see. Good morning, Tom. Always first in. I love it. Uh, gather your nuts. It's May. <laughs> okay. Christine Buckingham, good morning. And Pam Zaruba says, LOL, Tom. Uh, good morning, everyone. Janet, hope you had a fabulous vacation. I did. I have lots to tell you about this vacation of mine. It was too funny. Uh, JLo, hello to you. And uh, I wanted to tell you also that uh, when in the morning when we see treat yourself, I think it is, or treat something, that is a, a woman named Julie. And Julie texted me this morning to tell me that she's listening, but she can't converse because there's something going on with her, her Gmail account or email account. So welcome, Julie. It's good to have you with us this morning as well. Debbie Tibbetts Tumiel, good morning. Happy Mother's Day too to all of you mothers out there. We're going to take a look at the Mother's Day forecast. It's a, it's a, it's a good day. It'll be a great day, I think. Uh, Tom says it's about time that you're back. We made it through the eclipse. No thanks to you. Oh my God, that is BS, Tom, because I spent probably two weeks before the eclipse talking to all of you about the eclipse. And on Wednesday of the week before the eclipse, Tam and I also ran it down. So that would have been on the last Wednesday of April. I don't think you were there that day. So you can look that uh, video up. Of course, it's a moot point now, right? Because the eclipse is done. Uh, good morning, Kathleen Mallory. And it is good to be here. So we do have quite a bit to talk about this morning, um, especially astrologically. <laughs> we always have lots to talk about, but also in human design. And uh, part of that is some changes that are going on with the planet Uranus, which I uh, sort of alluded to before I left on my vacation. Uh, but as of, let's see, it was uh, on the 9th. So earlier this week, Uranus has changed gates. I'm sorry, I'm looking at the wrong camera. For whatever reason, StreamYard wouldn't use my high def camera this morning. It's like pretending it doesn't know who I am. And uh, so that's why it looks darker because the camera on board my laptop sucks and uh, the high def camera, I could, I didn't have time to mess around with it. Thankfully, Mercury retrograde is coming to an end and maybe all that baloney stuff will go away. So this morning, we're going to talk about the moon. Obviously, the moon is in Aquarius at the moment. We'll be going into the void a little bit later today, this evening actually, and then changing signs to Pisces, and we'll be in Pisces for the bulk of the weekend. So we're going to talk mostly about what the moon in Pisces will be, because we also know we have two very big planets in Pisces that the moon will then connect with, both Saturn and Neptune. So outer planets, when they have, when the moon connects with the outer planets, it has an impact on the collective. So the collective, how are we feeling? What are we sensing? How are we interacting with one another emotionally? All of those kinds of things start to come up when the moon changes signs. And then I want to talk about the weekend transits. Um, there really isn't much going on tomorrow as far as transits are concerned. But on Saturday or Sunday morning, uh, the planet Mercury finally goes direct at five degrees, 37 minutes of Taurus. And I want to look at what does that mean for all of us? Because when it was in retrograde, some things might have been coming up. Um, around finances and relationships, all Venus ruled things. So because Taurus is ruled by Venus. So I want to take a look at that. And um, an interesting pattern in the sky is being created today by aspects to Mercury retrograde, 
because he's still in retrograde. And Saturn and Venus, so we'll talk about that. It's called a wedge pattern. And then I also want to talk about something else. What was it? Mm, I think that might be it. But that's a, oh, Jupiter going into Taurus next week. This is a next week thing, but I like for you all to be prepared, which is why for most of these big things that are going on, we talk about them for several days to a couple of weeks before they happen, that we have a chance to really try it on for size and kind of get used to the idea of this changing energy that is coming in. All right, I see more people popping in to say good morning. Alisa, it's great to see you. She said, I'm 41 weeks pregnant. <gasps> You're going to have a baby any day now, I bet, and hoping to come out and play. <laughs> I love it. Well, congratulations to you. Maybe she or he will be born on Mother's Day. Wouldn't that be nice? Uh, Corey, good morning to you. Kajella, hello. And Sylvester, oh my gosh, it's great to see you out there. And anybody else new? Everybody's saying hello to everybody else. So let's dive in to what is happening. So today, of course, the moon is in Aquarius. And the moon in Aquarius triggers up our genius, our brilliance, our innovation, our inventiveness, right? We have an emotional sort of connection to things that are new and exciting, the untried, the things that we haven't done yet. Maybe we're feeling a little more adventurous, uh, but as well, in the sign of Aquarius, the moon tends to get a little bit detached emotionally, which is why we're usually more willing to try new things or to do things differently when the moon is in Aquarius. We don't have the emotional connection to doing it the same way, the same time, in the same place that we've always done these things. So it occurs to us, wow, maybe I could do something different, right? Maybe I could step outside of my comfort zone and maybe I could let all of those old beliefs go and I can connect in a different way. So for the last couple of days, uh, the moon has been in Aquarius. And it's kind of funny. I've sort of felt that myself. There's been a lot going on. Uh, in you know, as I'm starting the creative processes for the summer and into the fall. And I was like, you know, why don't you just do things differently? Hmm, okay. So there's that. And then, of course, we get into the void because we're now at the end of that transit of the moon in Aquarius, we're getting to that change over point, And that always brings up a void moon or a void of course. And the void of course moon will start at, I believe it's 8.16 PM Pacific time. So think of that as 11 something, 11.16 for those of you on the East Coast. And only lasts until 9.40 PM. Uh, West Coast time again. So very early in the morning for those of you on the East Coast, very late in the evening for us here on the West Coast, the moon will move into the sign of Pisces. And so, I mean, the one thing I always like to say with the moon in Pisces is expect to have weird dreams <laughs> or expect that your intuition is working overtime, right? So when the moon moves into Pisces, we become more sensitive to emotions more sensitive to what other people are feeling. So it might be more of a compassionate thing that we're feeling, but we can also tap into our intuition. It becomes something that comes up for us very easily. Um, compassion and empathy are also hallmarks of the moon in Pisces. And that can sometimes lead us to feel like we need to help people um, that are suffering or maybe people who are in pain, um, that type of thing. So we we put ourselves out there to, as a, a shoulder to cry upon or uh, as a willingness to, to help others that are less fortunate than we are. But this is also a placement for the moon that is highly creative and imaginative and tends to express that creativity through art or music or poetry or spirituality, right? Those are the things that are very Piscean in nature. And of course, our psychic abilities, which I always think of as intuitive, but it could be all the all the all the Claire's clairvoyance, clairsentience, Claire, you name it, right, can be uh, stronger. Now we have this stronger connection to the mystical and to the divine. So it's channeling through us in a much easier way. Now, having the moon in Pisces for all of us. Now, this is 
for all of us, you may not have had the moon in Pisces when you were born and that's okay, right? We're not talking about that. We're talking about a transit. So some of these things that I'm talking about are transient in nature, right? They're just going to be happening for the few days that the, the moon is moving through Pisces. If you have your own natal moon or any natal planets in Pisces, expect that they're going to be triggered by the moon's transit through Pisces, all right? So I hope that makes sense. Some of these things are going to be of lesser quality, of lesser uh, duration than those people who have planets in Pisces and would expect that things would be coming up to the surface. Now, when the moon is in Pisces, we can become easily overwhelmed uh, by harsh realities because Pisces really lives in the ideal realm, right? It lives in the watery world of what if, right? This fantastical, it's funny, I like to do um, puzzles and I have this jigsaw puzzle app uh, on my phone. And so when I'm thinking, I do a puzzle. And I found myself the other day thinking, ah, I really want the fantastical kind, right? The unicorns, uh, the, the, the ones that are of the mythic quality. So I can see how that kind of plays in to the planets, Neptune and Saturn that are in Pisces, but now also being inspired a bit by the moon's transit through Pisces. Now, this is also a placement for the moon where we may have to try to escape or we may find ourselves trying to escape from the pain that we're feeling uh from the doldrums or from the uh the harsh realities of of life if they're coming to call and that happens typically by indulging in fantasy or illusions or even addictions so we have to watch out for that there's also difficulty for us in setting boundaries during this period of time remember we also have Saturn and Neptune in Pisces. So we're already having uh, these kinds of issues popping up for us. So learning about what are appropriate boundaries. Fear, remember when we talked about Saturn moving into Pisces, the biggest boundary that we had to overcome was fear, right? Fear, building walls between us. So working through all of that, but we may also be finding ourselves sacrificing our own needs for the sake of others, which is never appropriate, but we can do that when we have this Piscean energy that is prominent in the charts. We can struggle with self-confidence and self-esteem, with really being who we are, and then that can sometimes come up as misunderstood. Maybe we don't feel like people get us. Um, we might feel like we're being victimized by other people in our lives. So we have to kind of watch out for both the highs and the lows, right? So how do we balance all of this energy of the moon and Pisces this weekend? Well, first of all, the number one thing is you learn how to ground yourself, right? In the body, Pisces rules the feet, the feet, the interface between us and the earth, right? The actual ground, the groundedness. And then deal with your emotions in a positive way, right? Sometimes the moon in Pisces can feel like we're being victimized or we're, we get into the victimy, oh, woe is me kind of feeling. And those are just emotions, right, that are flitting through. Don't allow yourself to fall into the victimization mode, right? We're, we're moving away from that. We want out of victimization. That is so last century, we're moving on, right? We're 20 some years, 23 years now into this new century. We need to adopt a new way of being and it does not include victimhood it doesn't it just just doesn't right so move on um we also need to find a balance between idealism and realism saturn in pisces the big balancing point between realism and idealism right in uh aquarius saturn did kind of trigger more idealism and now that he's in Pisces, we're learning, and before that, when he was in Capricorn, that was realism, right? So Saturn plays both sides of that fence. Now in Pisces, those lines get blurred for Saturn. So then it can become very easy for us to get sort of lost in that between world, right? Between reality and uh, not reality. Now also, we have to find a balance between selflessness and self-care, right? We've talked about these themes throughout because Piscean themes are sometimes about how do we take care of ourselves as well 
as taking care of others, right? How do we, the need is to supply ourselves first so that we have the energy to share with others, to find that healthy balance. And we also, because now Virgo is the opposite sign of Pisces. So we're dragging in some Virgoan qualities as well. The axis is always activated. No matter what the sign is that you think is thing, things are happening in, the other sign, the exact opposite of which in this case is Virgo, are being brought in, right? Some of that uh, plays in the day. And one of the things that we find we have to develop in Pisces of a very Virgoan nature is discernment. How do we trust our intuition, right? Virgo is often a sign that wants the practical. If I can see it, feel it, taste it, touch it, then it's real. Then it exists. Then I can prove to you. I can analyze it. But what happens when you can't pin it down? In Pisces, we can't pin it down. So we have to use our Virgoan skills of discernment and to learn to trust our inner voice, right, our inner self. But we also have to stay aware of what the facts are and the logic in things, right? We we can't just throw logic and facts out the window. So we need to be able to express our, our creativity and our spirituality, but we also need to respect the physical and the material needs that we have during this period of time. So you need to love yourself, you need to love others, but you also need to make sure you stay out of victim hood hmm. questions comments anybody uh let's see here chris or kathleen i've been playing with the jigsaw puzzle on my laptop they're lots of fun alisa i feel like i've tried most of them laugh out loud including acupuncture and chiropractic care i'm not sure i must be missing something here amanda j good morning to you it's good to see you for, uh, joining us from uh jolly england uh who now has a new king He's also, they've had this new king. I did not watch this. I actually, um, the coronation to me was like a non-event. Um, I don't know. There's just nothing fantastical about it, I think, in this particular day and age that we still hold up this monarchy. And uh, so it was an interesting thing to watch against the backdrop of the astrology uh, and the watching these sort of ancient rituals uh, play out. And uh, so anyway, all right, uh, if you have any questions, hashtag not my king, he's not my king either, right? I don't live in a country that has a king. Uh, we have people that think they're kings, but yeah, no. Christine, uh, okay, that's uh, uh, something else. All right, now let's take a look at the aspect patterns for the weekend. They're, they're starting today, so the aspects are exact today, but we'll have them with us, of course, through the weekend. And I kind of want to show this to you. Uh, where are my highlighters? I'm going to highlight this because I don't think you're going to be able to see it. I wrote it in purple, and that tends to not show up really good. So we have going on today uh, a couple of sextiles and a trine. And they happen to be interacting with one another. Woohoo! I like it when this happens. So what we have is Mercury retrograde in a sextile to Saturn. And when you think of sextile, you think of how these guys speak similar languages in the signs that they're in. They get each other. They they can work together. So Mercury in Taurus and uh, Saturn in uh, Pisces, there is something that they, there's a, a point at which they can understand. They may not act the same. They may not be uh, alike, but they get each other. And then Mercury retrograde is also in a sextile to Venus. Venus in Cancer, Taurus uh, is where Mercury retrograde is. And then there is a Venus Saturn trine. So we call this a wedge in astrology. It forms an aspect pattern. So there you go. You can see it uh, right up here. This is where we have Saturn, Saturn in Pisces. This is over here where Mercury in retrograde is. And then down here is where we have uh, Venus. So Venus in the opposition, I mean, excuse me, in the trine to Saturn and both Saturn and Venus in a sextile over here to Mercury retrograde. And there's quite a bit going on here in uh, um, Taurus. But what you can see, this is six degrees where Mercury is right now, because Mercury, of course, on Sat Sunday, turning back to direct at five degrees, 37 minutes. So he's backing up. Now, 
what we have when we have a uh, uh, first, yeah, when we have a wedge, what we have is a series that of planets coming together with a focal point. So the focal point becomes Mercury retrograde, right? Because he's at the apex point of these two, right? So the apex point that's pointing us in the direction. Now a trine is also a beautiful, wonderful transit uh, or connection relationship between, in this case, Venus and Saturn. Trines tend to bring ease, right? And grace in motion so that the the energies of the two planets are working well together, which is interesting because Venus ruling relationships and money, Saturn in Pisces, um, in Neptune's rulership of more unconditional love, more uh, of the higher self, higher uh, spirituality. So we have kind of this dynamic that brings more affection and love anyway into our relationships. And virtually the economy is also reflecting this, right? Our The economic, at least here in the U.S., I'm not sure about everybody else in, in say, England or Canada. You guys would have to chime in on that. Uh, but things are kind of smoothed out at the moment. I don't know that it's going to stay that way. Um, things that normally go up in price, like fuel, definitely is happening, right? As more people are going to get on the roads for vacations, at least in the Northern Hemisphere, uh, the, the price of gas rises, but everything else seems to be static or even maybe moving downward. So it has a positive effect on the economy. So I like that aspect as well. But I thought it might be kind of interesting to look at what does a wedge mean? Because it's an aspect pattern and it's fairly common. It, it, it might be in your own astrology chart. You'd have to look and see what um, the different uh, patterns are in your own chart. And it's formed when these planets make these connections, right? Usually there's the longer trine and then the sextiles that come in between. Sometimes it can be a semi-sextile and two trines. It can be different kinds of, of ways that it pops up. And this one happens to pop up in a very positive way, right? It, this is a harmonious and a dynamic sort of transit or aspect pattern, right? It creates movement. And it actually indicates somewhat of a balance between ease and challenge, right? Making it easier to rise to our challenges between cooperation and individuality, right? How we work together versus how I work on my own, creativity and productivity, right? So creativity, the freedom to be, you know, in that creative space versus productivity, putting the creativity to work. Um, so the sextile shows the opportunity for these things to happen for growth and for learning and expansion in some ways, while the trine shows the natural talents that we bring and the flow of energy that's easing between the two. But that apex planet is the one that's the key to unlocking the potential to the whole enchilada, right? And it is Mercury in retrograde. So the uh, the Mercury moving direct on Mother's Day, but since this pattern is aspecting today, let's deal with what Mercury in retrograde might have been bringing to us in um, the sign of Taurus. Now, Mercury remembers the planet of communication, commerce. So sales and the economy are all the, the, the workings of the economy are a part of Mercury. And he's been retrograde in Taurus since what was it? April 21st. Uh, yep. April 21st, he turned retrograde at 15 degrees or so of Taurus. And now he is going to be going direct. So we're at the very end of the Mercury retrograde phase. So it's a good time for us then to sort of take a look at what are the things that have been happening in our lives during this Mercury retrograde that because the retrograde turns everything inward around communications and commerce and our minds and our thinking and belief patterns and what we're learning, how we're learning, all that kind of stuff. And so take a look now at what is it that that retrograde has been bringing you over the last couple of weeks, right? Three weeks or so. And then in Taurus, when we're looking at this, it's about how are we maybe communicating within our relationships, right? Because Mercury 
is the communication planet. Taurus ruled by Venus sometimes is about our most loving relationships, right? Our spouses, our significant others, our children, our other family members. And Taurus, remember, is loyal and faithful. And it's a sign that doesn't like change or surprises, but Mercury retrograde can bring those to the sign, right? So kind of, oh, sorry, right? I, I, this isn't going to work for me. See ya. Bye. Um, marriages, right? I, I keep hearing about people that, you know, surprisingly get married during this period of time. It's been interesting because I don't know that Mercury retrograde with uh, in Taurus is a good time to do that. Maybe someone that you've been in a long-term relationship with, yes, but mm, anyway, could be dicey. Uh, but it is also a time for us to bring up conversations, you know, to be able to speak freely and uh, from depth with people in our lives, to really, you know, speak from the heart in a respectful way, empathetic way, uh, compassionate way, right? Um, it's interesting because Gemini is a little more neutral that way, tends to, you know, speak whatever's on its mind, kind of, you know, bring, it's, I don't want to say blunt, that's more the realm of Sagittarius, but isn't afraid to speak its mind. And Taurus wants to prettify it, right? And, or, get stuck in its uh, opinions, right? Becomes very opinionated and rigid. So we're having to find this balance and how it is that we communicate with one another through friendships, through relationships, like, you know, family relationships, maybe even with coworkers and colleagues. So it's been a very interesting time. Now with Mercury going direct in Taurus, it's a time for us to bring everything back to the simple pleasures, right? The, the, uh, appreciating what we have. There's a lot of gratitude potential here uh, with Mercury changing direction and being able to speak of that gratitude toward one another and that wedge aspect, making it very easy to do this within the confines of our relationship. Um, this will be a time to value the quality of time that we spend with people, the quality of our interactions, the quality of the relationships, not just the fact that we're in a relationship. So we want to take a look at where have we been taken for granted or where are we taking others for granted? Uh, because we want substance in our relationships, right? We don't want them just built on, you know, cohabitation. I mean, there are relationships like that, but we're now talking about our closer relationships here. So we want to create more harmony and happiness and personal uh, in our personal lives, but also in our, our uh, daily lives, you know, the working lives that we're in. So this will be a great time to transition over to being more loving and respectful to one another, but without inappropriate loyalties or stubbornness or obstinacy or rigidness that sometimes can be characterized. Those places have been popping up for us likely with Mercury in retrograde. So uh, Janet, please show us the wedgie pattern again. Wedgie pattern, here we go. Wedge pattern I highlighted in orange here. You could see all this other mess, right? That's for astrologers to figure out. Um, this is the pattern we're talking about right here. So Saturn, and Venus in the trine, right, from Pisces to Cancer, like elements, emotional elements, water elements, and both of them sextiling Earth with uh, at Mercury retrograde in Taurus, okay, or Mercury moving direct when we get to Sunday. All right. Was there a question about that? Uh, anybody? Uh, Kajella, Taurus baby will make its appearance when baby wants. No doubt. No doubt. Um, Tom, an astrological wedgie. That's got to hurt. OMG. Tom, you just cracked me up. I'm, I've missed you. Uh, okay, so let's see. What else did I want to talk about today? So before I get into the Jupiter in Taurus, uh, which is huge, right? I, I've been looking forward to this uh, probably since 2022. Whenever it was that I wrote the 2023 Energy Almanac. <laughs> so, and since we just finished writing all of the 2024, it had to have been in 2022. So 
it's been in my head, it's been on my mind to share all of this wonderful information for, with you. But before we get there, let's switch over to human design. And I'm now going to share my screen. Uh, let's see, I have a window. No, I have no, I have not a Chrome tab. Oh my gosh, because I started this in Chrome. <sighs> Let me check something very quickly, guys. See how I can do this. I started this this broadcast in Chrome rather than Edge, which is what I normally do, because I thought if I changed um, browsers, I could use um, my, now let's see if I can go and share. I thought I could use my right camera that I like. And, uh-uh. Well, okay, hold on while I bring it up in a Chrome tab. So, uh, body graph, or I just won't do it. This won't work. Sign in. And just one minute. Ha! Yes, save the password so I don't have to do it again. Okay, now. Mm -hmm. Chart presentation. All right, now I'll just have to start it from here and present share screen. There we go. Now, you guys should be seeing a body graph, an empty one. And uh, I'm going to actually fill it in. Uh, oops, I don't want to fill that one in yet. So here we go. Right now, the planet Uranus has moved into the gate 23 in your human design. Now, Uranus, remember, has, he, he's pretty far out there. And he spends quite a bit of time at any gate that he goes into. So we've been dealing with Uranus at the gate 2 for a very long time. The gate two, a gate of allowing, and the gate two was uh, up here uh, on the, or down here on the identity center, and the energy was moving down toward the sacral, right? The gate two allowing was a very receptive, feminine, energetic gate. Now he's up here in the gate 23. So I want you to look at your own human design charts, discover whether or not you have the 23 defined, meaning it's colored in. If you have the gate 23 defined, you're going to see a black line or a red line, and that line can either go all the way up to the 43, like so, like so, there we go, or it can be um, not like that and just hanging as it was here just a minute ago, right? Hanging would mean that it's ready to be connected to somebody's energy or a planet's energy that enters into the gate 43. So here's the gate 23. Now, if this this gate is a gate that really supports Uranus, and so there's a, a good relationship between Uranus and the gate 23, um, because this brings up the energies of innovation and revolutionary ideas that come into the world. And the potential for us all with this energy is to transform somehow the collective consciousness with unique insights or ideas or perspectives that have been not utilized so far on the planet, right? At least not in any uh, strong way. Now, there's also some challenges here. If you look at this, this is a gate that is sitting on the throat center. And the throat center, and again, you'll have to look at your own human design chart to see is your own throat center open or is it uh, defined? In this case, you're looking at one that would be defined. If your throat center is open, it would be white, right? And even if you have gate 23 hanging on there, you could still have an open throat. That's how it is in my own chart. I have an open throat with gate 23 hanging there. Now, Uranus is the planet of change and freedom and rebellion, and it represents then sitting here, I'm going to bring the color back, the urge to break free from the status quo, from the way that things have always been, and 
in that breaking free moves out to explore new possibilities. What else is possible, right? So Uranus in our human design is one of the outer planets that influences our purpose and direction. How are we going to say what it is that we need to say? How are we going to share our gifts and our talents with the world? And it shows us where it is that we are meant to innovate in our own lives and where the life experiment would take place. So that's what Uranus in your own natal chart would look like, your natal human design chart, that is. Now you have this added um, pressure, perhaps a little bit, to be more innovative and revolutionary and bring those ideas out to the world to share them with people. And by the way, it's not only Uranus that's sitting here. This week happens to have the sun sitting here at the gate 23 as well. So we have the sun's powerful energy of innovation and speaking to the new and Uranus's revolutionary energy. This is a huge impulse of energy that just, you know, moves through humanity and pushes us to change pushes us out of that comfort zone that we have, uh, that we've been in. Where have we been lethargic? Where have we been stuck? Where have we been hesitant to move forward? And now we're getting this push to move forward. Now, the gate 23 is actually called the gate of assimilation. And because it's located on the throat center, it is about how we express or manifest this energy. And the gate 23 is fabulous at being able to help us synthesize the complex information that comes in. And then for us to be able to explain that to other people. I'm trying to be very careful here about how I explain this to you all so I don't send you all into some kind of crisis about what this means. Right. So being clear in our communication of our new ideas and of what it is that we want to manifest. So this is also the gift for all of us of intuition and insight. And that insight is about when to speak and when to be silent. That is the key to the success of the throat center after all, right? The throat wants to be wants to speak, it wants to be heard, seen, valued, recognized for its contribution to the world, right? For its ideas. We all want to be heard, right? We all do. But in the throat center, we have to be careful about how we do that. And now with a very powerful, innovative and revolutionary planet sitting here, we want to make sure that when we share our ideas, and our perspectives that we're doing it in the right timing. Now, what is the right timing when it comes to the throat center? And I feel like class, raise your hands. Tell me when is the right timing to use the throat center? And it's when you have an invitation to speak. Now, it's taking these powerful energies of innovation and inspiration, bringing them an intuition. We can even bring that one in here. And each of us being able to access wisdom, right? And then to be able to channel that into practicality because the 23 needs to be able to take that high ideal and bring it in and make it real. And sometimes the timing isn't right to share. And that's what sucks about the throat center sometimes because, you know, we could just get so excited about something and, Uranus does provide some excitement here. Um, we want to challenge the paradigms we're in. We want to share a new way to be able to do things or to uh, new ways to be able to be together in the world. But it may not be the right timing. So we have to wait. That's the one thing in this particular gate that we're going to need to learn. When is the right timing to share your insights? Now, some of you are going to be on the end of blurting, right? I have a great idea. Let's do this. And people then look at you like maybe you've grown two heads. Or maybe they're like, yeah, that's a good idea, but that's not practical. We couldn't do that. So you, the better way would be to say, hey, I have a great idea. Are you open to hearing it? Are you ready for something new and revolutionary? And if the group consensus is, yeah, we're ready, then you have the permission to share, 
Now you're seen, valued, heard, and recognized. Now, not everybody is going to agree with you. That that does you know that doesn't mean that the timing is going to be that everybody agrees, but it does mean that people were open to hearing. So you're speaking to an open audience as opposed to speaking to people who are all closed and sitting there like this. We don't want to hear any new ideas. So now you have the opportunity to share your ideas. So to to share without the right timing means that you could literally be misunderstood or feel misunderstood or feel like people rejected you, um, especially the people that don't share your vision or your, you know, aha moment or that don't appreciate your uniqueness. So timing is everything. So the other thing that can happen here that happens quite frequently, actually, is that um, you encounter resistance or opposition to your brilliant ideas, right? Uh, Because people might feel threatened by them or they want to maintain everything the way it is. So we'll be alternating between this brilliance and this let's go in this new direction and the reticence to do that. So that, of course, can bring frustration into our lives. It can make us feel isolated or like we don't ever get recognition uh, or support for the work that we do or for who we are or for our ideas. So um, timing, making sure that you're talking to the right people in the right time and follow your intuition to know when it is the right timing. Like if you're in a room and the the audience is uh, or the group or the whatever meeting um, is filled with people who are, you know, arguing the status quo, keeping the status quo, they may just not be the people that you want to share your innovative insight with. Or it's just not the right timing for you to do that. So you always want to wait until they say, they invite you in. And by the way, one of the ways to get invited in is to be quiet, to just not talk. Can you do that? It's hard. It's hard to just sit there in the group when they're all talking, 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 because everybody wants to talk. But be silent. Because then what happens is people will start to draw you in. They'll say, oh, hey, Janet, you've been awfully quiet lately. What's going on in your mind? Now that's my invitation, right? Because now they want to hear my words. You're all here this morning because you want to hear my words, I'm assuming, right? Or else why would you be here? So I have this invitation to share. That's kind of an implied invitation. And other times people are calling you out and saying, hey, I I haven't heard from you. What's going on? Tell me what's new, right? So there's that. Now on the other side of the equation here, We have the earth sitting at the gate 43. And the gate 43 is called the gate of insight, or I often think of this gate as, we call this whole channel, by the way, when it's like this, the freak to genius channel. Because the 43 can be freakishly out of time, like ahead of its time. Uh, The 43 is often generating ideas that come out of left field that may or may not be practical or useful, but are opening us up to doing things in a new and, and, and brilliant way. But again, when it's feeding into the 23, as it is this week with both Uranus and the sun at 23 and Earth sitting at 43, we have brilliant ideas that maybe people aren't ready to hear yet. Now we want to share. This is a channel. It's defining your ajna. If your ajna is open, it's defining your throat. If your throat is open, if both the ajna and the throat are already defined in your chart, this is adding the pressure to get heard, to get recognized, to get your point across. But there's one big problem that can happen here besides the ones we've already talked about. The bigger problem is that it can be very difficult to express your ideas or Uh, clearly or convincingly to people because it's the idea that drops in it's the vision that you see that you can't quite put words to yet and then we're trying to bring it out to share with others because that's what we like to do right I have this brilliant idea let me share it with you but then it gets to my throat and I can't do it 
I can't, I can't get it like broken down into pieces that people can understand. So we have to deal with the right timing, but we also have to deal with things that are complex and that might be difficult to break down for other people to understand, which then if it's a real abstract idea and people don't get it, you can struggle to find the right words. You can, you know, keep thinking and doing, saying things over again to try to get people to understand. <gasps> you might be communicating in Japanese, but you're talking to a group of Italians and they don't get you. That is uh, a huge problem, right? So communication styles might not match. So what's the key to overcoming these things, right? First of all, timing. <clears throat> The second thing, trusting your intuition and following your inner guidance about what to share, how to share, when to share. You don't need to convince anybody about your ideas. And that's what often we get into. Trying, We get into this uber convincing mode. Um, we don't need validation from other people when we have a brilliant idea. We have to be true to ourselves during this period of time. And then sharing our insights with the right people in the right timing with an invitation. And don't forget that you might just need to experiment in different ways of bringing about your ideas or um, uh, different ways of sharing the information. Maybe maybe you're trying to be, you know, like in my show here, I try to be, you're, you're seeing my face and you're hearing my words, but then I, I like to do this, bring up you know, charts for you to take a look at. So you can visually consume the information as well as hearing it. Okay. So here we have this unique role for each one of us, right? That's highlighted this week. And by the way, the sun is here until the 15th and earth is at 43 until uh, the 15th. Uranus, I didn't check that date. He is here at the gate. Uh, gosh, I haven't even moved my book to May. What the heck? Um, he is at the 23. Hmm. I think maybe through the rest of the year. He is. He's at the 23 all the way through December. So we have time. We have time to be innovative. We have time to bring our unique voice out. Um, bring new light and awareness out to the world that's unique to you. But you're here to inspire change uh, and transformation with your ideas, right? Your way of doing things, not necessarily expressing what everybody else wants to hear. You have to be authentic to yourself and to your purpose. All right, going back to StreamYard here. Questions, comments, let me take a look here. Um, don't do it. Mercury retrograde will. Oh, my gosh. I don't know what I'm going to read here. OK, so I'm always surprised about what Tom is talking about in the background. Uh, thank you, Kathleen. I missed you all, too. And I don't see any questions. Good. So everybody's getting this right. No questions. Nobody wants to know what it looks like in their chart versus how is it going to behave for them? That kind of thing. Um, because I'm at the end here. I'm at the end of the things I had to share and we have a few minutes left over. Uh, so I think maybe what I'll do is, first of all, let me see if there were new comments with questions. Debbie says, I do. Um, I do what, Debbie? <laughs> I am lost here. And you're welcome, Kathleen. Um, show me mine. Show me mine. Is that what you want, Debbie? Show you yours. Let's take a look. Let's uh, let's see. How am I going to do that here? Neutrinos. Let's do it from there. Because I'm pretty sure I have you there, Deb. That's a good idea to look at a couple of charts to see how this plays out in real world. In the real world. In real life. Uh, okay, Debbie. I'm apologizing. My program is lagging for some reason here this morning. He's in a Mercury retrograde haze. Uh, Tibbets, Tumiol. 
wow, you're not in this program. I have not pulled up a, a human design chart for you recently. What the heck? Uh, let's add you. Take me just a minute here, Debbie. And your birth date is 23 of April. And good God, I don't know what time you were born. Debbie, can you just put that out there really quick? I know where you were born. So while I'm waiting for that information, okay, go back to time. Uh, Debbie, what time are you born? 9.17 p.m. Awesome possum. I knew it was nine something. So nine is 21. All right. Now. Debbie, you already have the whole channel. You already have that whole channel defined. So let me see if I can share this now uh, with everybody. Share screen. It's a window. There we go. Perfect. Okay. Debbie, you should be seeing your chart now. So uh, Debbie already has the Ajna and the throat defined by the 4323. So this is adding energy here for you. But let's take a look at the planets that define it for you. Okay, that's always going to be an interesting thought too. It is Mars that is defining your gate 43 of insight, right? And Mars here is a planet it's an inner planet and in human design it is a process of our maturing if you will to be able to express our thoughts and ideas without without being blunt Ugh, i i it's not that without it, but a tendency, let's say, when you were younger to blurt, to say what was on your mind and uh, or to not share your insights. Right. So as Mars, as you would have um, uh, matured in your life, you would become more comfortable in sharing your insights, but also would need to have hopefully learned how to do it and when to do it. Right. And whom it is that you could share your insights with in order to be heard, seen, valued, and recognized, right? Now you have a defined throat here. So the defined throat, while it's always best to wait for invitations to speak, always, even if you have a defined throat, it isn't as uh, necessary in your case because the, of the definition there. You're defined to speak, but you speak in a very defined way, right? You you tend to have specific things that you say, you speak up at specific times uh, and have a, a specific way of delivering things from your mind through your throat, okay? Because that's how they are connected. Now at 23, it's over here on the black side, you have Venus. So here's the part of you that likes to prettify what it is that you have to say. So you might have to deliver a blunt message, but you've learned through Mars, you know, foibles, <laughs> stepping on people and things like that, to deliver it in a nicer way, to be a little more accommodating or to be a little more beautiful in the way that you use your insights or your how you put words to your insights. But now you have Uranus sitting here and the Earth, Uranus and the Sun. So now you've got Sun, Mars, Venus, and Earth, all of them bringing up this energy. So there may be lots of opportunities to have conversations with people, but also to move into some of that Mars conflict and confrontation in the way that you're communicating. And then the need to be able to prettify, bring more harmony, let's say not prettify, but harmonize your thoughts and what you want to say in a way that is more palatable. Um, not being someone that speaks to what you think other people want to hear, but delivering your message with clarity and with peacefulness, right? Harmony. So a lot going on here for you. A lot, a lot, a lot of conversations, a lot of maybe ahas coming in, new things that you might have insights on, etc. So that definition already that you have there 
being helpful, but now you're adding two other planets to this mix, actually three, Uranus, Sun, and the Earth, bringing out more of the messages of what you are saying. So there you go. Uh, question. So MP, MP, I don't know what MP is, with Pluto 60, MP, uh, and Jupiter 3, both in transit, how strongly should I feel it? First, you got to tell me what MP is, Pam. I don't know what you mean by MP. I know I should know what it, <laughs> it is, but I don't. Um, JLo, interesting. I just have the hanging 17, but now that 23 is reaching to who? Um, yeah, do you want to take a look at your chart? Let me see. Tom wants to see his. So let's do Tom's first before I uh, forget to do that. And Tom... Hopefully you're here in this. I'm pretty sure I've looked at your chart recently. Tom. Tom, Tom, Tom. All right. So, Tom, let me share my screen again here so that you can see yours. All right. There's Tom's. So Tom has an open 43 and an open 23. So the whole channel is open, but now defined, Tom, because, you know, Uranus is already sitting here and Earth right now sitting here. So you have now a defined throat. Now, it's interesting here because you have now the head, Ajna, throat all coming together. So you may be maybe you're even feeling like you're being inspired with ideas coming up from on high, from the outer limits, coming in and then uh, sharing them, feel that you feel like sharing them with other people. And sometimes this can happen very easily for you when this is happening, because you're already a Gemini, you have a very activated mind, and your idea is finding place, right, with uh, voice. The only thing that you're going to have to be very careful of, because you already have a tendency to talk, right? That you talk a lot. And I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just that you have this open throat center. So we already know that there's a tendency to speak all the time, right? So now with it defined, you're going to need to be careful that of, of the message that you're delivering when you talk, right? Other times it's just maybe chit chat or we're going back and forth through different uh, qualities of things that we are talking about, but now you're going to have to be very careful because there is a bigger chance that you could be misunderstood or that you get frustrated because you can't find the words to, to express what it is that you really want to say. So being very careful now to speak with that invitation, right? To be able to know that the people that you want to share your insights with are going to get you, right? They're going to understand they're not going to look at you like you have two heads or three heads, right? So being careful because that's new energy that's being um, brought in. So you might feel very excited about ideas right now and definitely want to share those ideas, but make sure it's with the right audience and make sure you have clarity around it before you go out there and speak it. All right, Pam, mental projector. I knew I should know what that meant. So mental projector with Pluto at 60, everybody has Pluto at 60, right? Right now, Pluto is there for everyone. And what was it? And Jupiter at three, both in transit. How strongly should I feel it? Well, remember Pluto at the gate 60, gate 60 wants to, to conserve. It wants to be able to put things, especially energetically, it wants to limit, right? N not limit as in a way like you're not allowed to play. That's not it. But it's also a gate of innovation at three. So Jupiter's innovating and ideas are new and fresh, but it would seem that somehow it's being limited by Pluto. Like, the timing isn't right for transformation there. Um, 
or maybe now is the right time for transformation to be spoken or brought out because the 43 is also uh, 23 is also defined. So just remember with the 60, all of us are being asked to be more conservative and it's not on the throat center. So it's more conservative in our actions, right? So, you know, not going off the wall and just taking, you know, crazy action out there in the world. We want to have a little more deliberation in what it is that we're doing and indeed then what we're saying and how we're sharing new ideas with people. Um, but the thing about this energy is that it's really time for all of us to move forward, right? We've been stuck here and we need to move. We need to make new choices. We need to transform. That's basically the message in a bottle, right? Is we need to transform ourselves first so that we are a transformational energy that has impact on the world, on the collective. All right. Uh, Debbie, 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 you're welcome, JLo. And if they do, make sure they're just adding theirs with yours. <laughs> uh, Tom says, thanks. All right. Well, that is it for me today. Thank you so much. It was great to be back with you. Uh, let's see. Up next week, we have, of course, Jupiter moving into Taurus. We have several transits going on next week that are of interest. The new moon is next week. And Mars will move into Leo next week. So it should be a fun week. I look forward to sharing all of that with you. Take care, everybody. Bye for now. Do you wish you could better understand yourself and what is going on in the world? Well, grab your cup of coffee or tea and join the podcast Living Astrology with Janet Hickox for Astrology, Human Design, and Gene Keys Wisdom. Mondays and Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. Podcasts are available on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and your other favorite outlets.